we are starting a new series. It's called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, most of us, if you have grown up in the church, you, ha- you, you probably associate that phrase uh, with the disciples. When they're struggling in their prayer life, they turn to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. Um, and my experience in the church says that many of us struggle in prayer. We struggle in our prayer life. We struggle in communicating with God. Um, And yet, it's one of the most vital things for us to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Um, But yet, we struggle with it. And so, I want us to be a church of prayer. I mean, we we talked last month about growing in our faith, trying to be more mature uh, Christians. Um, One of the ways that we can do that is by developing and growing in our prayer life. And so I want us to be a church that is committed to praying. Now, we could do a series where we tried to stop and go, okay, this is how you should pray. Um, but my fear is that it's going to become one of those things where you, you think that it's a dogmatic approach. And so what I would prefer to do is to let's explore some people in Scripture and let's look at their prayer life. And see what we can draw out of their prayer life that maybe we can apply to our prayer life. I told you in January that I would love to see everybody take notes. Hint. (laughs) This might be one of those series where you, you pick up a characteristic from someone and you stop and go, maybe that is something that I could bring into my prayer life. So I would encourage you to take notes. And if you didn't bring a place to take notes this week, come back next week with a way to be able to take notes. But we're going to look at Moses today. And then throughout the month, we're going to look at Elijah. We're going to look at David. We're going to look at Paul. And you're going to be able to look at some of their characteristics and hopefully begin to apply that into your own life. So let's start this morning with just this prayerful encounter that takes place between Moses and God. Look at what it says, starting in Exodus 3.10. God says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then in Exodus 4, we get Moses' reply when he says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who, give, who gave human beings their mouths? Who, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. It's been said that prayer is to the soul what breathing is to our physical body. And yet, church after church that I go to, many in the church... Faithful disciples are suffocating in their spiritual life because we don't take prayer seriously. There's power in prayer. There's power for us individually, and there's power for us as a church corporatively in prayer. And so I want us to be people of prayer. There was a study done recently across denominations. So don't, don't worry about United Methodists. Just think the larger church across denominations. And they asked Christians. So these are people who say they follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord of their life. They asked them this question. They said, do you pray and how often do you pray? So I want you to think how you would answer that question. Do you pray and how often do you pray? 
Listen to the respondents. As they said, 26% of Christians said that they prayed multiple times a day. 23% said they pray one time a day. 14% say they pray about four times a week. 24% say they pray between one and three times a week. And 13% say they pray less than weekly. So now I want you to think about this. If this study's true, if we just think about us in the room, if this study's true, then over half of the people who took the poll don't pray every day. 51% don't pray every day. So then they followed up and they asked the, the people who responded that they didn't pray every day. They said, why don't you pray every day? This won't surprise you what their answers were, but here were their three answers. The top three was first was too busy. We're, we're just too busy to talk to our creator. So that was the first one. The second answer was that when I pray, my mind just seems to wonder. So I don't, I don't really feel connected. I'm, I'm thinking about where I'm supposed to go, and I'm thinking about the Falcon game. I'm thinking about hey, all this other stuff rather than praying. And then the third answer was I tend to pray when things go well. But, I mean, I, mean, I tend to pray when things aren't going well, but things are going really good right now, so I don't really think about praying to God. And yet, we say that prayer is one of the greatest things to have a vibrant, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, so many of us struggle. And so my hope is that Moses, I mean, Paul, Elijah, David, all of those will inspire us to begin to really think about our prayer life. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this time and this space. Your servants are listening. Speak to us. Amen. So in the story of Moses, one of the things that compels me about Moses is that it seems as though Moses and God have this continual conversation that takes place between them. I want you to hear how they describe it in Exodus 33. It says this, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I want you to imagine what prayer life could be if we're just... If God is speaking to us every day, just, just like we talk to other people. So I think about that and I'll think there's got to be some things that we can learn from Moses. There's good stuff in his conversation. And so I began to look at Moses from Exodus through Deuteronomy. I went back and tried to look at all of these encounters that Moses has with God. So let's go back first and think about his calling. If you know anything about Moses' story. The Israelites in about 12 to 1400 BC, uh, the Israelites are slaves in, in Egypt. And they are given the task of building the Pharaoh's dynasty. I mean, literally building it brick by brick. And uh, they begin to, to grow in numbers, the Hebrew people do. And, and the Pharaoh begins to get a little nervous because their numbers are getting so large. And so he issues a decree to kill all of the male babies. Well, Moses' mother has a baby. It's a little boy. And she's worried about Moses. So she thinks about the only thing that she can do is to give him up. 
So she takes Moses, she wraps him up, she puts him in a basket, she goes down to the river, she puts him in the river. I think knowing that the Pharaoh was downstream, she, Moses gets, uh, he's in the basket, he comes down, Pharaoh's daughter goes out to take a bath in the river, and she finds the basket with Moses. She takes Moses back into the palace. And so Moses grows up in this lap of luxury. He grows up with all the education, all the training, everything that one would get inside the palace of the Pharaoh. But he's never really felt like he's completely accepted because he's Hebrew. Now, the first 40 years of Moses' life, you may not realize this, the first 40 years of Moses' life are captured in 11 verses in Exodus. And at 40, Moses says, okay, well, I want to find out more about the Hebrew people. And so he goes to where the Pharaoh has the, the, the Israelite people building some of the storehouses. And he sees an encounter that takes place between uh, an Egyptian taskmaster and an Israelite slave. And what he sees is the taskmaster beating the Hebrew slave. And this enrages Moses. And so he goes and he kills the Egyptian. Well, the Pharaoh's always been worried about Moses. So the Pharaoh issues a decree for Moses to be killed, a death sentence to Moses. And so Moses flees to Midian, this this desert-like region. And so I thought it would be good for you to be able to see this kind of geography. So look at this picture which shows us where Midian is. So lower Egypt, you can see up at the left hand of the screen, Moses would flee down through the Sinai Peninsula over to Midian. And this is where he spent the next 40 years. He, he tended Jethro's flock, and he, so he tended the sheep and the goats. And he would go from Midian, if you can kind of go back up over the gulf, he would go back over to the Sinai Peninsula, and that's where he would take the sheep and the goats so that they could graze. He would go to Mount Horeb, and Mount Horeb is called the mountain of God in Scripture, and he would take them over there. And sometimes we think about he take animals to graze, you kind of think of this lush vegetation. So what I want you to see is a picture of Mount Horeb. So y'all look at this picture here. Not quite the lush vegetation. For 40 years, he tended his flock, bringing them over. Rains would come and rains would come down and you have a little bit of green grass grow up or some plants grow up and he would bring the sheep and he would bring the flock and he would come over here and let them eat. Day after day, he spent all of his time with the sheep and the goats. Imagine how that would be in this land for 40 years. Certainly that would make you want to talk to God, right? But we don't get that in Egypt. We don't get that in Exodus. The reality is the next 40 years are told in 11 verses in Exodus. It's not until we get to him being 80 years old, from 80 to 120, we get 135 chapters on Moses' story. 135 describing for us. And so he's out tending the flock, and he sees a campfire left by another shepherd. Now, he could, he could have just ignored it, but he chose to figure out what's happening. Let's listen to this story in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush burns, I mean, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So I, I ponder this relationship that takes place between God and Moses. What, what, what do we recognize? What's the first thing that we see? And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I see very quickly is that Moses pays attention to the world around him. You've got to remember that Moses was a shepherd. He had a job to do. This is how he provided for his family. He, he watched the flock. And so he, this was how he, he, he made his living. But something inside of him said, look at this campfire. I mean, you, you have to recognize he wasn't worried that this a forest fire was going to start. Y'all saw the, I mean, it's rock, it's stone. There's, there's no worry that, that that fire has to be unattended. But Moses chose to go over and look and see what was happening. And the scripture says, when Moses went and looked, God spoke to him. God called him to do the greatest thing that Moses had ever been called to do. I think it should challenge you. Think about your prayer life. Think about your prayer life over the last seven days or over the last month. Do you pay attention to the world around you? Or are you too busy? Do you pay attention? Here's the truth. God is speaking all the time. God is working all the time. The question is, are you like Moses? Do you pay attention to the world? I'll tell you, a couple of weeks ago, uh, right before Ray Kirk's funeral, um, I had to get a haircut. I knew that I needed a haircut. Chad got a haircut, and I was like, okay, I can't let Chad get one and me not get one. So I, I, I had it marked on my calendar. I told you all last week I like to plan my fun. I also like to plan tasks. I, I, on one Wednesday, I knew that was the day I was going to get my haircut. I had planned to get it done in the morning, and things happened. Something, somebody came in. Somebody called. Something else happened. And, and I found myself by the middle of the day not having my haircut. And I like to check the boxes that I got my hair cut if I, it's on my list. And so I had to pick up Lydia at school. She gets out at school on Wednesdays at 2.55. And so I, I got to her school about 2.50 and I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Lydia and then I'm going to run and get my hair cut because if I don't go now, I won't get to check that box today because once I get back to the church, I'm done. So I sat there in the, in the parking lot and I started scrolling down. I went to Great Clips, their website. You can check in online. And I knew what I was going to do. I was going to go to the one right around from where school was. And I go online and I look and see. And the, the Great Clips that I was going to go to had a wait. But the one here in Stockbridge did not have a wait. And so I thought, I'll go to the one in Stockbridge. So I signed in online. It took about 15 minutes to get there. And I walk in. And the lobby was packed of people. And I thought, no wait. You told me no wait online. And so I looked around and I thought, okay. I looked at the little computer screen and I was like fourth on the list. Did I mention they told me no wait? And so I was a little aggravated, a little agitated. And so I thought there. So I stood there. Lydia sat down. She was like, come sit down. I was like, no, I want them to know that I'm here because I checked in online where there's no wait. And so I stood there. I never did sit down. I kept sitting, And I kept thinking to myself, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to leave. I'm aggravated. And uh, 
But I didn't. Something just told me to keep staying there. And then I looked back behind, and you know, you can see the people who are cutting hairs. And there was a lady sitting there cutting her, I mean, sitting there, and, and she wasn't cutting anybody's hair. And I thought, if you'll get up and cut people's hair, I will get through quicker. Um, but, but I didn't say anything. I just stood there because I had no weight. Um, and so finally, after about 20 minutes, um, who do you think cut my hair? Was the lady who wasn't cutting anybody's hair. She finally got up, and so they called me back, and so I went down and sat down. And I was a little flustered. I was a little irritated and agitated, and I thought, okay, I had no weight, but now I'm 20 minutes later. Uh, and she kind of was flustered herself. She was asked me how I wanted my hair cut. I said two on the side, whatever it was on the back. She repeated what I said, but she was wrong. And... Um, so then she started looking for the clippers, and she couldn't find the clippers. And so finally she said to me, I'm so sorry. This is my first haircut. She paused. And then she said, since I've been gone for a week since my father died. Exactly. I thought, okay, I get it. And so we sat there, and I said, I'm sorry for your loss. I said, tell me about your dad. For about 20 minutes, she cried. She laughed. She told me about her dad. I had the opportunity to pray for her. And I think that when I left, her burden was lifted a little bit. But I was amazed that God would use me in somebody else's life that way. But folks, I almost missed it. Because I was worried about waiting five minutes or ten minutes. God's speaking all the time. God's working all the time. Do you pay attention to God? Do you pay attention to the world around you? Do you pay attention to the opportunities that God is giving you to speak into the life of someone else? That's something we can learn from Moses. Moses was one who, who paid attention now, the second thing that I think we can learn from Moses is it really has to do with his humanity. It's a very lighthearted thing, but, but it's very endearing when you really begin to think about it. Here's Moses. Moses is this uh, law, the great lawgiver. Moses is this great servant that we think of in the Old Testament. And the Pharaoh, God calls Moses to go back and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. This is the Pharaoh, by the way, who's supposed to kill Moses. And so Moses is to go back and tell the Pharaoh what to do. And Moses... It's his response that's so interesting to me. Because what would you think this great saint of the church would do? How he would answer that request? Well, we heard the story at the very beginning. He says, but God, I don't want to go. And God says, don't worry. I'll be with you. And Moses says, well, who would I tell him sent me? And God says, tell him I am sent you. I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, how, I mean, how will they know that that's true? And he says, I'll do great miracles so that they know you're my servant. He says, but I, I, I don't like to public speak. Well, who do you think puts words in your mouth? I'll give you the words to say. And finally, we get this passage in Exodus 4.13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I love that that text is in the, passages, in the messages of Moses. Because I think so many times that's our prayer. We feel God calling us to speak into somebody's life. We feel God's calling us to call and check on someone. We feel like God's calling us to serve or to do something in the life of the church. Lord, please send someone else. I'm just tired. I'm too busy. 
I don't want to get uncomfortable. I don't want to be disrupted. I like what I'm doing. So send somebody else to serve in Kid City. Send somebody else to work with the youth. Send somebody else to go on a mission trip. Send somebody else to love my neighbor. I'm perfectly happy sitting where I'm at. I think we pray the prayer that Moses prayed. Please just send somebody else. So we see his humanity. Moses is just like me and you. He's just like me. He's just like you. He comes up with all kinds of excuses. But I do want you to notice in Moses' story, in the end, he does what God tells him to do. Jesus tells a parable in the, in, in the Gospels. says that there's a father with two sons. He turns to his two sons. He said, I want you to do this. One of them says, yes, dad. Walks away and never does anything. The other one says, no. He gets a little bit away and he thinks about what his dad said and he goes and does what his dad told him to do to begin with. And Jesus says, who do you think did the will of the father? It was the one who initially said no, but then reconsidered it and did what God wanted him to do. That's what we learn in Moses. We learn that it's okay to argue with God. It's okay to tell God, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. But in the end, we do what God asks us to do. We do what God calls us to do. There's another passage in the Gospels where the, the disciples are uh, um, fishing. And they fish all day and they come home and Jesus says, hey, let's go back out. And they don't want to do that. They have all kinds of excuses. But then finally, Peter, I love what Peter says in that story. Peter says, because you said so. Think about that. Because you said so. Because you, God, say so, I'll do what you tell me to do. We see that in Scripture. And so I encourage you to to embrace that as part of Moses' story. It's okay to argue with God. It's okay to tell God that you don't like it. There's okay to tell God that you don't want to do it. But in the end, we as followers of Jesus Christ do what God asks us to do. We see his humanity. There's another great part of his humanity. That in the story, it tells us that the, the, these people who, who don't like Moses, that they, they begin to, to complain. They, they, they've been eating manna. If you know the story, they've been eating manna, which is like this bread-like substance for about 20 years. They... You know, they probably cooked it every single way they could. There's nothing new to manna, and they're tired of it. So they go to Moses and say, look, Moses, back in Egypt, we, we, we got meat. We got fish. Wait a minute. Weren't you slaves? I mean, don't you remember what God did for you? And so they complain over and over and over. They grumble to Moses day after day after day. How do you think the saint of the church responds when they complain and grumble day after day after day? We know it because he prays it in Numbers. Look at what it says in Numbers 11. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised an oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself, and the burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. That sounds really holy, doesn't it? Just kill me if this is what it's going to be. But the truth is, we've probably all prayed that prayer. You know, get them away from me. Take, this isn't what I bargained for. 
I love that about his humanity. But you see, God doesn't answer prayers like that because God sees the promised land. God sees our future. I don't care how old or young you are. God sees the things that are possible for us. He's able to see a picture that we're not able to see. Moses' story, he was sustained for probably another 20 years after that. He still ate manna. Didn't get easier. But there came a day in Moses' life where he looked back and probably thought, thank you, God, for not answering my prayer. God is able to see so much more. And so from Moses' story, what we learn is we learn not to give up. We learn to keep marching forward to the promised land. In our Tuesday morning men's Bible study, I shared with them a a, a lady that we met uh, at my last church. We would go to the Bahamas every year, and there was a lady that we got there one year. Her house had been uh, ravaged by um, Hurricane Andrew, uh, and she had a leaking roof terribly bad. So we got to her house. We came to work on it, and she, we knocked on the door. She yelled from the back and said, I'll be there in just a moment. I'm reading my Bible, and we go inside. And you, know, you always wonder if people really are doing that or did they just you know, become churchy the moment that you knock on the door. But you locked at her Bible, and you knew that she read that Bible every day. I mean, it was falling apart. And she said, I've been praying for 14 years for God to deliver me from this leaky roof, and you're the answer to my prayer. And I tell you her story because I wonder, would I have the faith to pray for 14 years? Do you? See, what we learn from her, what we learn from Moses, is you don't give up. Now, there's another lesson I think that we learn from Moses. It's what happens when people hurt you. Those people that grumbled at Moses complained to him, let's go back to Egypt. Then there came a time after that where they decided, we're just going to vote Moses out of leadership. Okay, we want to go back to Egypt, so we're just going to put somebody else in leadership who will take us back. And so we're going to kill Moses. Well, God gets really angry, and he's just going to kill them for wanting to hurt Moses. And you know what Moses does? The Scripture tells us that Moses says to God, God, you're a God of steadfast love. You're a God of abounding mercy. He prays for the people who hurt him. The people who want to kill him. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Isn't that what Jesus taught? We're supposed to love our enemies, but we're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. And we don't pray God kill them. We pray, Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, forgive them. Lord, show your love to them. There was a gentleman in my last church. The best way that I can describe it is he did not like me. Period. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he wrote the bishop, wrote the cabinet. What a terrible person I am. There came a day where I had to learn how to pray, God, show mercy on him. And I'll be honest with you. I prayed it with a clenched jaw for a number of months. But somewhere along the way, I actually really do pray that God pours mercy on him. There's probably a handful of people in this room, if that really, that hasn't had somebody hurt you. Somebody say something ugly about you. Somebody to do something to your family. 
What do you pray? What we learn from Moses? Lord, pour your spirit into them. See, God is speaking right now. God is saying to some of you, pay attention because this is what I need you to hear. Because when you begin to make that prayer, you know who's released? You are. And all the bitterness. From that day forward, you never see bitterness in Moses over the people who harm him, who want to hurt him. You're the one who is released. There's so much. Moses' story, we're going to do an entire series. I know Dwayne's excited about Moses. We're going to do an entire series on Moses. You told me you loved Moses. Uh, So we're going to do an entire series in the fall about Moses. And there's so much more that we can learn from him. But there's one thing. When you go and read his encounters from Exodus to Deuteronomy, do you know what the greatest thing you see in Moses' prayer? You know what he does more than anything? He listens. So I challenge you to stop and think about your prayer life. Is most of it you speaking? Or is most of it you listening? See, there's times when I pray that I get through the prayer and I don't feel very connected to God at all. All of my prayer is up here in my head, maybe in my lips, but it's not here in my heart. Do you listen to God? I find myself spending so much time trying to tell the creator of the universe how to run the universe. God doesn't need my help. And I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't need your help. We fail to listen. The other day I was in my office and I was praying. And I felt as though God was telling me to shut up. I'm sure he said it nicer than that. But that's, that was my take. Um, to just shut up. And so I got up and came out of my office. There was nobody in the sanctuary. So I walked up here, and I began to just walk around the sanctuary. And for about 20 or 30 minutes, I did nothing but listen. And I wished I could tell you that what I walked away from that was this great vision that God gave me great clarity. And he said, as a pastor, go do this, and you're just going to blow the church doors open. I didn't get any of that. But for 20 or minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, I felt encouraged and strengthened by God's presence. And I was renewed, and I didn't say a single word. When you pray, do you listen? Or do you speak? Challenge yourself. Listen. That's what Moses spends a majority of his time doing is listening. And the biblical authors say that when Moses spent that time with God, he came back down, that his face radiated with the glory of God, that he was physically changed. Do you speak or do you listen? There's so many things that we can learn from Moses. Pay attention to the world around you. Understand your humanity. It's okay to argue with God, but in the end, do what God tells you to do. Pray for the people who hurt you. Pray for the people who persecute you. And more than anything else, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God as God speaks into your life. Now, 
this week or this series, I'm going to challenge you in a way that we haven't challenged you in the past. Every week, I want to give you an application. That's what these boards represent. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do this week is, if you will accept the challenge, is I'm going to challenge you to pray every day. Every day at 5.23 p.m. Now, some of you are going, well, 5.23, don't come up with excuses. Challenge yourself to commit to praying every day. And I'm going to give you a prayer. So on the back of this card, when you come up and get it, on the back of this card is a prayer for the church that I have adapted from Wesley's Covenant Prayer and then put in some language that is consistent with who we are as Stockbridge First. And 523, the reason that time is because in military terms, that's 1723. And John 1723 reads this. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We are going to pray together as a church for a unified vision and purpose and desire to reach the community around us. And so all I'm going to ask you to do is as the band sings the last song, is if you feel led to come forward and just get a card. There's little holes that are on the push pins. You don't even have to move the push pin. We have made it so easy. All you do is slip it off of the push pin, take it back with you, keep it with you, and wherever you are, pray this prayer every day. The altar is open as the band plays, and you have the opportunity to, to pray in addition. Uh, but I'm inviting you. As we begin ready to close the service, I'm going to invite you to respond with an application to commit to praying every day. So I invite you this morning to pray with me now. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want to invite you today to pray in a different way, which is rather than me just simply praying, I'd like to encourage you to say your own prayer. You don't have to do this out loud, but you can. I just want you this morning to be thankful. I want you to spend a few seconds just thanking God for your blessings. What did you raise your hands for? What did you wave your hands for? Maybe you've been too busy. I invite you this morning to just simply pray, God, help me pay attention. Help me pay attention to the opportunities that you give me. For some of you, you know the opportunity. You know the people who have hurt you. And as hard as it is, I invite you to spend a few seconds lifting them up to God. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to pour His mercy upon them.
take time this morning to listen, to listen to the Holy Spirit. Just spend a few seconds, a few seconds of your morning. Just listen. Help us, O oh God, to be people of prayer here at Stockbridge First. Help us to, to pay attention to all the opportunities that you give us, all the times that you're speaking to us, all the times that you're nudging us with your spirit. Help us, O oh God, to, to live out what you have shown us through your servant Moses. That we don't have to always like things, but that we ultimately do what you ask us to do. Help us to pray for those people who hurt us, who persecute us. Help us to find time to, to simply shut up and listen to you. Help us to realize the joy and the hope and the power and the presence that comes from spending time with you. Help us to believe that you truly are working ahead of us. And help us to stand on those promises. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.